Well, the hearing uh, wrapped up earlier earlier tonight, and uh, I did watch the entire thing, and I feel exhausted after watching it. I can only imagine how Brett Kavanaugh feels, considering he was the one uh, on the grill, as it were. Now, what I'll say is, and I'll, I'll echo what uh, what what Brett Kavanaugh said in his in his stirring and compelling and incredible opening speech, and also what some Republicans said, and what and what uh, Lindsey Graham said. And I feel like at the very beginning, I have to begin by retracting every negative comment I've ever made about Lindsey Graham. And unfortunately, it's quite a lot of retracting because I've made a lot of negative comments about him. But um, he, he lined, if you haven't watched that yet, go and, and there are plenty of clips of it online. But he, during, during Kavanaugh's hearing, he, uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but he, he jumped in and um, launched into one of the, maybe the greatest rant by a politician I've ever seen. Um, but I want to echo what he said and say that the, the whole thing was a sham and a circus and a charade, an utter disgrace. I think the entire thing, this whole the last two weeks culminating in this in this hearing, I think it all adds up to certainly the lowest point in modern American political history, maybe the lowest point in American political history, period. Um, it was just. It's the kind of thing where you watch it and you say to yourself, well, there's really no healing this country, is there? If this is how far we've fallen, and if you have one side of the political aisle that this is how evil they are, and they have just so completely detached themselves from any semblance of morality, integrity, honesty, basic human decency, and they will do literally anything, literally anything, to destroy the people who come against them. If that's where we are, then... Um, and more than that, more concerning than that, if we have half of the country about who could watch something like that, you know, could sit down and watch all of that and see what's happened over the last two weeks and see all of that and say, yeah, this is fair. This is right. This is how it should be. Those kinds of people, I just... what They're living in a different universe from me. And frankly, you know, watching the hearing, I, I, all I kept thinking to myself is, now watching these Democrats and their, and their despicable, disgraceful performance, all I could think is, I, I am ashamed to share a country with these people. I wish that I did not have to share a country with them. Um, and the really incredible thing is that, like I said, I watched all eight hours of it. So this was eight hours about, I think, if I'm doing math right, but eight hours of a, of a hearing which was ostensibly to investigate and talk about a sexual assault allegation. But the incredible thing is that in eight hours and all of the many questions that were asked, almost none of the questions were actually about the sexual assault itself. Almost none of them. Christine Ford was up there, and of course the Democrats didn't ask her any questions. Just every time they had a chance, they they took the opportunity to commend her on her bravery and then do a little campaign speech. And the Republicans outsourced their questioning to a, to a, to a sex crimes prosecutor who, oddly enough, showed little interest in talking about the alleged sex crime and figuring out whether or not it actually happened, which, or at least whether or not Brett Kavanaugh is the one who committed it, which is why she was there. Instead, she spent a lot of time talking about uh, Christine Ford's travel arrangements and just all kinds of questions about what, ha what she was doing in the last three months 
instead of get hone, homing in on what was going, what happened or didn't happen during the time in question in 1982, or whenever that you know event supposedly occurred. Now, um, so at the beginning, this was it was to start with 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 Christine Ford. It was a disaster for the Republicans and their decision. Their decision not only to outsource it to this woman, who I'm sure is very good at her job, but she just was not doing what she needed to do in this situation. Um, but not only that, but the format that they set up, which was uh, the prosecutor could develop a line of questioning, and then that line of questioning would be punctuated every five minutes by a campaign speech from a Democrat. It was just uh, it was a total disaster. Going through it one by one, let's talk about Ford, then we'll talk about Kavanaugh. Um, now, Ford, uh, she, she came across uh, as competent and credible. Uh, her performance was, in parts, stirring. Um, it was emotionally involving, right? And so if we're evaluating her testimony rationally and objectively, now, if we're evaluating her testimony emotionally, um, then you went away from it thinking, well, Brett Kavanaugh is guilty as hell. Uh, until he got up there, and then he was emotional too, but we'll get to that in a second. If you're evaluating it rationally and objectively, however, her testimony was insufficient, and the entire presentation from the Democrats was grossly insufficient. Uh, now, Democrats know that most Americans do not evaluate things rationally and objectively, but in fact evaluate things emotionally, which is why after Christine Ford's testimony, Democrats were feeling really good, because they knew that it didn't matter, that there were no facts, no evidence, nothing. That didn't matter. They had emotion on their side. Well, then Brett Kavanaugh went in there, and he had some emotion of his own to show. But uh, through her opening statement and her interactions with the Democrat senators, um, and a little bit with her interactions with the with the prosecutor that was hired by Republicans, although, like I said, she didn't really focus at all on the actual subject. But Christine Ford, she retold basically the same story we already read in the Washington Post. Uh, little additional information was provided. She says she remembers with 100% certainty that Brett Kavanaugh assaulted her. She also remembers and was given the opportunity to repeat by Democrats. They went back to this line. You know, several times they went back to it. But she, she said she remembers the laughter of Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. Now, there's a reason, by the way, she said she remembers the, the Brett Kavanaugh. She remembers the laughter. They were laughing while they were doing this. Uh, she also remembers the stairwell, and she says she remembers that the house was sparsely furnished. And those are really the only details that she remembers. Democrats kept going back to the laughter. They wanted to, her to keep bringing that up because that's just it's an emotional appeal. Whether it's true or not, whether Brett Kavanaugh was in there laughing or not, just the image of two guys laughing as they sexually assault a girl, it's a very disturbing image. Whether or not it's a true image, of course, Democrats don't care about that whatsoever. It's just a disturbing image, and they want you to have that disturbing image in your head. But um, all of those details she remembers, and she remembers all those details apparently with, with absolute certainty. But the really important details she doesn't. There are, after her testimony, a number of enormous questions still remained. Like, number one, when did this happen? Number two, uh, where did it happen? Number three, how did she get to the place where it happened? Number four, how did she get home? Number five, who else was there? Now, that the, the, the last two questions are very important. And the question about, and, and I'm just, and I was saying to my wife as we were watching this hearing, and I was, I, I kept saying, why, the prosecutor, she needs to come back and 
focus on this for a minute. The fourth question about how did she get home? It's a very important question. She says she didn't have her driver's license at the time, or she was 15 years old, she says, okay? Uh, and the, the driving age was, was 16, and she's sure that she didn't have a driver's license. All right, well, according to her, she rushed out of the house after she had just been assaulted by two boys. Um, she lived some miles from the country club where this happened. And according to a map that was presented by the prosecutor, I'm blanking on her name or I would use her name, um, Mitchell, I think. According to a map presented by Mitchell, she was probably about six to eight miles or so from the, uh, from the country club. So that means that somebody drove her home. Okay. So just think about this for a second. You've got a 15-year-old girl. Now, it, this is, let's just go with Christine Ford's version of events here for a minute. You've got a 15-year-old girl uh, who was just assaulted at a party. She said she thought she was going to die. Uh, she thought they were going to rape her. She was traumatized. She runs out of the house, fearing for her life. We imagine she's probably crying. Now, she leaves, she, 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 she exits the door, and then apparently that's when her memory cuts off. Right there. She remembers all of that vividly. As soon as she ex exits the door, no memory. Has no memory. But there's this whole other part where somebody... She would have had to somehow call somebody, or maybe or she had it prearranged for someone to meet her. I don't know. But somehow she communicated with somebody right after this happened. And she got in her car moments after just being sexually assaulted, moments after fearing that she was about to be killed by uh, two boys who were trying to rape her as a 15-year-old girl. She gets into the car and she drives home. This person, whoever that person is, is an extremely crucial witness because they can testify to her demeanor, her mental state. I mean, what was she like when you picked her up? Because if she was perfectly normal and bubbly and happy and everything was fine, then it's just impossible to believe that she was just moments ago sexually assaulted and she thought almost killed. But if she was crying, if she was disturbed, if she was, you know, something was seriously wrong, well, that's very compelling evidence. Yet she can't tell us who picked her up. She can't give us that name. So as Democrats were pushing uh, Brett Kavanaugh when he was up there, and they were pushing, you know, they wanted to know about this Mark Judge character. Why isn't he testifying? Nobody ever pressed Christine Ford, who picked you up moments after you were supposedly sexually assaulted? Who was it? And can we speak to them? That question, incredibly, was never asked. The point was not visited at all. And it's to me, look, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't believe that um, Christine Ford doesn't remember driving home from a sexual assault. I, I just don't believe it. I, 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 plenty of people have said that sexual assault, when that happens, your memory can be spotty. So I'll defer to the people that have gone through that. They say your memory can be spotty. Fine, but... But you're telling me that there's just a total cutoff right there? You remember everything vividly, the stairwell, the furnishing, the laughter, the bathroom. You remember the layout of the house. You remember all of that. You remember rushing out of the house. Then you get out you're inside the house. You have no recollection whatsoever of what happened as soon as you were outside the door. 
I just don't believe that. I feel like she's omitting something for some reason, and we should know what that reason is and what's being omitted. And the prosecutor should have asked her, she, he should have said, Miss, Miss, uh, Mrs. Ford, what's your, so you, you ran out of the house. You don't remember what happened next. What is your next memory? What's the next thing you remember right after that? Do you remember something from that night? Do you remember something from a, a week later? I mean, what? The question was never asked. It was an important question. <clears throat> the other question that uh, we still don't have an answer to, it's very important, is, um, is uh, what about all the other people at the party? Um, because we know that the witnesses that she named have denied it, have refuted her allegations, have said that uh, they have no memory of it, or in fact that the party never occurred. So we need to know about that, but we also need to know, and again, this was not focused on or homed in on. Uh, the prosecutor, Mitchell, alluded to it, but you're at a party, you say it's a small, quiet gathering. And in fact, Judge and Kavanaugh, according to you, are the only ones there that are completely plastered, right? Um, just a few people. Well, then you would say that you were sexually assaulted in a room upstairs. What were the other people doing during this time? Did they not hear the racket? Did they not wonder where these three people went? Your, your friends that were there, did, did they wonder why you disappeared into a bedroom with two drunk boys? They didn't ask you about it in school the next day. They didn't ask you about it when you came downstairs. They, so three people disappear into a bedroom at this, at this quiet gathering. The two boys emerge. The girl runs out of the house Nobody ever asks her about it, ever, and says, what happened to you? Again, it's an unanswered question. Um, so the effect was, you know, three hours of testimony from, uh, from Christine Ford, and we got no closer to the truth. Now, Kavanaugh. On an emotional level, Kavanaugh behaved exactly as an innocent man would and should behave after being dragged through the mud and slandered by political con artists. I was very worried after watching the Fox interview. I was critical of him, and I said that, uh, you know, his performance just didn't cut it there. He was way too reserved. He was, he was holding himself back way too much. He was not acting like a person should act if they're innocent and have been accused of this and are being vic their families are being victimized by a coordinated smear campaign and their whole lives and their families, everything's ruined. He wasn't acting like, like that in the Fox interview. Well, at the, at the hearing, he acted like that. He came out swinging. He was angry, defiant, indignant. He was on the offensive. He wasn't suffering the Democrat fools. He didn't sit back politely while they continued with their character assassination. He didn't do that. And it was great. It was exactly what it needed to be. And I thought, look, emotionally, you see Christine Ford, and you're just evaluating emotionally without any biases. And you see that, and you're, okay, well, you sympathize with her. Well, then, you see, you see... Ford, or you see Kavanaugh, how can you not sympathize with him? The man was emotional, angry, he got choked up at various different points, talking about his daughter and how this has affected her, talking about his parents, talking about how his life has been affected. Um, it just was, it came across extremely authentic and sincere, which was the most important thing. And in my view, you know, even better than, um, than Kavanaugh's opening statement, which was gripping, um, but I really liked the contentious and almost flippant way that he handled the uh, embarrassing lines of questions from Democrats. Because that's exactly how an innocent man would act 
and should act when a, when a when vulgar yearbook scribblings and inside jokes from his teenage years are being used to paint them as a serial gang rapist. I mean, the Democrats were up there asking about uh, you know fart jokes that he made in high school and and going back a time and time again, asking. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh, did you drink beer? Yes, I did. Well, yes, but did you drink beer? Yes, I did. Well, but you drank beer, yes? I mean, you were consuming beer in high school. Were you not consuming beer? Yes, I did. Well, but let's, let's stop for a minute. What about beer? Did you consume that? And just over and over and over again. They spent three hours asking about beer, jokes that he made. Listen, if you can be penalized legally for inside jokes that you have with your friends as a 17-year-old boy, well, then I'm going to be on death row. Okay, if 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 the the content of your inside jokes and of your you know general demeanor as a 17-year-old boy can be held against you, then uh, then I'm in a lot of trouble. I think I think a lot of I think a lot of guys are in trouble because teenage boys can tend to be vulgar. Yes, sometimes they can drink beer. And they can you know that's just how they are. Um, but. The really important thing um, is the evidence. You know, Ford had no material evidence, no witnesses. Uh, she could provide very few details. Kavanaugh, on the other hand, had material evidence in the form of his 1982 calendars. He had witnesses to refute the allegations against him. He could provide many details. There's a stark contrast between Christine Ford, who couldn't say yet, didn't know it. I mean, she couldn't even recount information and details from conversations she had in the last three months. Meanwhile, Brett Kavanaugh was like, okay, well, this is where I was. I can tell you where I was on, like, July 2nd, 1982. And he had his calendar and he could do it. I mean, he was, he was very organized in that way. Um, you know, they say that you can't prove a negative. You can't, a man cannot prove that he didn't do something. Especially you can't prove that he didn't do something 35 years ago. Well, Brett Kavanaugh came about as close to clearing that hurdle as any person possibly ever could. Okay? So, we're left with two options. Okay? Either one of these people, Kavanaugh or Ford, are sociopathic liars who can cry on command and summon very convincing but fake emotions on live television. So they're sociopathic liars and they're great, great actors. Both of those things. That's one option. One, of the, you know, one option is that one of the two of them is that. Or they're both telling basically the truth as they see it. Okay? Now, if, that's, if, if the second option is, is, is correct, that means that Christine Ford is mistaken. It means that, um, or it could mean that she's embellishing slightly. I mean, there could be, there could be some slight embellishments and so forth on both ends. So Christine Ford can be embellishing. Uh, maybe Brett Kavanaugh could be, you know, I mean, he, he kept being, he was cross-examined about how much beer he drank. He was obviously trying to downplay that, but really who cares how much beer he drank anyway? Um, so, but that's, that's basically the option you have. Either one of them is totally lying, or they're both basically recounting things as they remember it, and Christine Ford just remembers it incorrectly, or has, um, has these years later, uh, after having some kind of experience with somebody, she's now kind of put Brett Kavanaugh's face on the situation, which is a possibility. But 
<clears throat> if we're going to go with the option that one of these people is a liar, which I'm not saying that I go with that option, but if you do, I don't see how you can hang the liar label on the guy that has all of the evidence and all of the witnesses to back him up. So that's it. Judge Kavanaugh has been run through the gauntlet. He's been subjected to the worst smear campaign in American political history. Uh, the Democrat Party is, as I've been saying now, truly, truly, deeply evil. With no regard for truth or human decency whatsoever. And Brett Kavanaugh has withstood that. He's still standing. And if anybody has ever earned a job, ever, I think he has earned this job on the Supreme Court. And he needs to be confirmed. That's my, that's my rapid reaction take. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.